No found glory. This is Songs in My Head. guys welcome back for another episode of songs in my head a music podcast for music nerds by music nerds uh as always i'm sitting here next to my lovely co-host Kristen. hello and a little bit of a different episode tonight uh we're doing this one from the road <laughs> not not physically no. on the road yeah. So don't worry about us. We're fine. We're in a hotel room. We're on a trip. But we're on a trip. Because um, we went and saw live music for the first time in, I don't know, what seems like a hundred years. It was amazing. It was, yeah, it was fantastic. But we are literally in the middle of fucking nowhere, Pennsylvania. Um, we're staying in a in a very very nice hotel yeah it's actually not it's not even fancy but the bed's comfy which is what counts exactly um but yeah so it was really nice to get back to seeing live music that was that was great the venue was really cool i really enjoyed that um i just it it was just it was weird but also like it felt normal yeah yeah it was like a like a small return to normalcy yeah so Um, and it was outside so yeah you know lots of room to social distance and Mm -hmm. and then and for the most part everybody was yeah pretty social distanced i I will say that because there was like a surprisingly low number of people in attendance yeah so um anyway so we we figured, you know, being on our little on our little weekend getaway uh was no excuse for us to miss doing another episode. Um so well, let's be honest, we'd be talking about music anyway. I mean, we already have been for like so. a ton of time, yeah. yeah. So we might as well. So we might as well. Um so things might sound a little different. Uh yeah, great sounds of the hotel, um, sounds of the highway. Yeah, you can hear the, the highway. Uh, I think I just heard some motorcycles rumbling outside, so that's a fun time. There's the treat of having, you know, hotel thin walls, so. Yeah, you know. uh, it's nice and echoey in here, which I didn't realize, but whatever. We'll make it work. And you might hear some some weird gurgly liquid sounding noise. That's just our, our lovely air conditioner in here. It's comfortable, though. I will yes. say that. It, it, it Air blows cold. Yeah, it was quite hot today outside, so. Yeah. It's yes. definitely necessary. Yeah. So. Episode 13. Lucky 13. Um, I would say these were re- two really good, really good choices. Um, you've got, like, the... Two major influential bands of, like, 
genres all over the place. Pop punk, regular punk, ska. You know, it just, I know that there's a ton of bands that are always like, oh yeah, these two bands are like my biggest influences. But, in, in, I don't know. You can't compare the two. Like the, oh, no, no, no. As saying, yeah, as saying that they're both influential. They're influential to different. To different, yeah. Yeah, like different circles of the same. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Because I, I have known people that are influenced by both. They could be in the Venn diagram. Sure. Yeah, I can yeah, see it. We also went with pretty much, I mean, do you think they're, your, are they're one of your favorites or are they your favorite? I would say they're probably in my top five. Yeah, so we both went with, with top five choices. Yeah, these were, these albums were two like heavy hitter albums for us. So, so um, I guess I'll just dive right in, get started on it. So you, finally, 13 episodes later, have given me a NoFX album. Yeah. Uh, I know that you had quite the dilemma trying to pick which one you were going to give me, because you, you just couldn't pick... Well, there's a lot of pressure, because, I mean, some of your favorites I had already heard. Right. And, I mean, you've heard a few NoFX songs and maybe didn't realize, but, like, it felt like a lot of pressure, because, like, if you didn't like them, I was just going to feel terrible. I'm not sure why. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm confident in the fact that I like them a lot, so that wouldn't, you know, change, but it'd be a little sad. I, I mean... Um, so it, it felt like this was a tough choice on which album to give you. Yeah. And for anyone that has listened to NoFX, you'd probably know why. I mean, there's some off-the-wall stuff, but I mean, I wanted to give you an album that was, like, a good you know, taste of everything they can do. Yeah, which I, I think that this one really, really encompasses that. So the album that you gave me was So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes. Um, so before I even get into the album itself, I kind of dug into No Effects as a band a little bit because, like, they're just so... It's just such a a big name, like when you when you talk about punk music, like they're a band that always comes up. They've been around forever. Yeah, I mean they've they started in 1983, which I didn't even realize. Um, so like they came out of the LA music scene, which you know I mean you gotta you gotta think about like music scene at the time. I mean like. There was, like, so many different... Because, like, that was the beginning of hair metal. And, like, you know, you, you had a lot more of, like, the bigger, like, thrash metal acts coming up. But then there was also, like, the really hardcore, like, punk scene that was starting to grow. So I didn't realize that they were... I knew that they had been around a long time. But I didn't realize that, like, they had, like bad religion staying power where they had been around since like the early eighties. So that was really surprising to me. They're older than you. Uh, they're one year older than me. <laughs> so they have 14 
studio albums, uh, 16 extended plays, which I'm not really, not really clear on what an extended play is. EP. Oh, oh, that's what the letters EP, hmm, huh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and, uh... A whole bunch of seven-inch singles. Yeah, there's tons of them. They had for a while a seven-inch of the month club where you could subscribe. Right. I did see that, and I, I was like... Missed opportunity. Right. Um, they've sold over eight million records worldwide, which is impressive for a band that has literally been signed, never been signed to a major record label. Like, that—that that is the most insane... When I read that, I was like, holy shit. Like, what? That's wild. Well, they didn't, you know, they didn't sign to a major label, so they made one. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. That's huge in the punk scene now. Yeah, I mean, because, like, you, you gotta figure, without, without Fat Wreck ever being around, I mean... Who knows what the face of punk music would have looked like going into the 90s. Like, Yeah. So, um, and one of their albums I read, uh, which is one that you almost gave me, uh, Punk and Drublick, it was their fifth album. And that album actually received gold certification by the, the RIAA, which is like... Again, another one of those facts that's like, what? Um, I, I always love reading Wikipedia because they're, it's so oddly specific about things. Um, so I had to write down this whole, this whole blurb that they put about the, what they describe as their, their, their song, uh, contents. Oh, um, some of their songs focus on or reference topics such as left-wing politics and anarchy, society, racism, xenophobia, sexism, sexuality, misogyny, hemophobia and homosexuality, class inequalities, the use of drugs and alcohol, the media and popular culture, religion, and schadenfraud. <laughs> often, all of that often in a humorous manner. Um, so I looked up the word schadenfraud because I had never heard it before. Um, and it's literally just like taking joy in other people's misfortunes. The actual definition is... The experience of pleasure, joy, or self-satisfaction that comes from learning or witnessing the troubles, failures, or humiliation of another. Yeah. Uh, uh, wow. It's like why people watch those YouTube videos where people like make mistakes and do stupid things. Because they're liking that, I guess. Um. <laughs> One of the things... <laughs> Hi, it me. I love watching fail videos. The one thing that I always liked about the band is that the band lineup really hasn't changed in years. Yeah, I did notice that, that like they they had like, what was it, like two, 
two different members like right at the beginning and yeah. then like right at the end of the 80s they switched out two members and they've it's been basically that same lineup since like 1991 yeah like the current lineup is fat mike who we'll talk about him probably pretty pretty heavily here eric melvin eric sandin both of those three have been founding members right. and then they added a fourth in 91 so right which was el jefe also known as Aaron. A.A. <laughs> Ron. A.A. Ron. Well, and you forgot that uh, the Eric's, there was uh, Eric with a K. Yes. Which is smelly. And then uh, Eric Melvin, which they I think they just refer to him as Melvin. But yeah, so it, it, that's also pretty impressive that like over that that much time they they have kept this basically the same lineup so you know I, I i commend them on that one um so getting back into the actual album itself mm-hmm. so it's their seventh studio album it was released november 11th 1997 on epitaph which is another diy punk label that was started by, uh, was it Brett from Bad Religion? It was one of the two guy, one of the two founding members of Bad Religion started Epitaph. I think it was Brett Gerowitz. I think so. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, don't quote me on that, guys, because I'm I'm more than likely wrong. I know, definitely know there's a, a link to Bad Religion, but I can't remember if it's Brett Gerowitz or not. Um, the title for this album. Uh, so long and thanks for all the shoes was inspired by a book which was part of the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy series uh i think it was the fourth book and that book is called so long and thanks for all the fish um but i guess they called it so long thanks for all the shoes because at their shows, they were frequently getting shoes thrown at them on stage. Like, every show. Um, well, actually, it said fans throwing footwear. Oh. So I suppose... Socks. Being California, Slippers. it could be flip-flops. That's probably more than likely. Uh, I don't They're think... they still shoes. Yeah. If, well, it's still footwear. You wear it on your foot. That's fair. Yeah. Um, so the one thing I read uh, about the liner notes for the album is that um, it, it, there's a part in it that claims it's arguably their third best album <laughs> um, up to that point, of course. But uh, Fat Mike has actually gone on record saying that and this was like recently this wasn't just like around this time like it was like in the last few years he's gone on record saying that this is like his favorite his favorite of all of their albums um and i i mean i've listened to it a lot since you gave this album to me because i listened to it the very first time and i was like oh okay now i understand why people go crazy for this band yeah, I mean, in the album short, it's about thirty-ish minutes, roughly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 
out of all their albums that I have listened to, like, this is the one that, like, surprised that it's over. Because it's just, I, I'm not ready for it. I know. I know. It gets to the end so fast, like, but it's, it's, it gets to the end so fast, but it's, like, it's a very powerful. Oh, yeah. Like, album, so. Yeah, and, I mean, you and I have talked about this off the show, but, like, there aren't as many that I, I like all the songs on. Well, yeah, because, like. all the songs. They don't play as well. Because, um, like, you, you played, what, like the one before and the one after or one or two after you it played, was after it was the one you right played after. punk and drublick and you played the, the, the value and we listened to those both on the way out here and we both were like okay i mean there are good songs on it but like it just doesn't play through the whole way because mm-hmm. it like you were saying some of them just felt like fluff like it was just like Okay, here's like a good song here and a good song here, and then and everything. Not bad songs. No, they're just they're not just as like, strong as some right. of their others. It, they're just like. Meh. Um, the one thing I like though is that so many of their songs are under two minutes. Yeah. But they're so impactful. Right. They tell a whole story. I mean, there's a few in here, obviously, that we'll talk about. That you know, yeah. start to finish, it's under two minutes, and. But they they tell a really like intricate. Yeah. Story. Yes. I mean, there. I don't know. I can talk about them all day about all the things that I love about them. Well, that's okay because we got plenty of more episodes where we can do this again. Because I'm, I'm, I'm open to listening to more. Good. Um, yeah. So you said you had the note from the liner notes. Did you read anything about, um, the band picture? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did. I think it's fucking hilarious. And I would love to see this. I have the album. I have to find it. You'll have to show me. Because it it said that in the liner note, or yeah, in the liner album, they also did the classic, um, like, picture of the band members, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't them. So they did like a mock band picture with members from other punk bands. bands. So (laughs) Fat Mike was replaced with Sergei Verkovsky, who was the bassist from Limp. Okay. Uh, El Jefe was replaced by Otis Bartholomew, the vocalist-guitarist from Fluff. Or Floof. I'm not really sure. Those are the two I didn't know, but the other two bands I've heard of. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. The guy that replaced Eric with a C or Eric Melvin, uh, was, uh, his name was Little John. He was the roadie for the Swingin' Utters. Okay. Little John, sorry. <laughs> good. <clears throat> That's good. And then um, Smelly was replaced with Chuck Platt, who was the bassist in Good Riddance. So. But I, I just, as soon as I read that, I was like, that is the most, like, no effects thing I think I've ever read. And then I remembered that Fat Mike is in the band, and anything that involves Fat Mike is just, yeah, it's just a production. Um, so just getting right into the tracks. Um, 
the only other thing that um that I forgot because I meant to bring the CD and I didn't get a chance to look at it. They said that on the CD it has the warning unlawful duplication may be hazardous to your health, which apparently Bad Religion albums have had on it too. So. I did see that, yeah. And that's not the first time I've seen them like copy the Bad Religion stuff. I mean, we talked about some of the other stuff too. Like one of their um, EPs was like titled very similarly the one of Bad Religions with really similar cover art. So yeah, one of their always... EPs was titled surfer yeah which uh looked a lot like bad religions suffer. album suffer mm-hmm. <clears throat> all right so right into the songs yeah right into the songs <laughs> so the first first track on the album um again it's another one of those those ones that just starts off and just punches you right in the face and it's called it's my job to keep punk rock elite um so it's like a real quick in-your-face track that just grabs your attention right out of the gate. It almost feels like when you when you turn it on, it's like the the equivalent of somebody like grabbing you by like like by your shirt and just like spinning you around, like shaking you, like, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, I mean, and pretty much I, what I got from this is that this this is just a song about like keeping the DIY in punk music and not conforming to like the, the labels and. Yeah. And that's basically what I got too, is that, you know, Fat Mike's making music for himself, right? not for, you know, the industry. And basically some of it is, you know, a story about the stuff that he has done that, you know, we alienated people and, you know, stuff like that. Um, but it's, it's about the main, how the mainstream music industry doesn't understand punk rock right? and tries to make it into a product instead of, you know, an art form and what it is. Right. Um, kind of takes like the soul out of it. Basically it just makes it very bland. Right. And I mean, their thought is that punk music can't be marketed without destroying it. Right. Um, I don't know. Some of the lyrics that I really liked because the end is my favorite part where some, you'll never understand it. Try to buy and brand it. I win, you lose because it's my job to keep punk rock elite. This music ain't your fucking industry. Yeah. I, I really like the way that that like rolls off right at the end because that's the big like middle finger oh, yeah. to like the reps. Yeah. And I, you and I have talked about like the, there's, you know, a certain you know, number of subjects that some of the punk music has and i mean they they have a lot about the record industry and stuff yeah because it they just they really have a disdain for major label you'll have to listen to um there's a track on um the white trash album called um play the song on the radio i'll have to play it later okay. it's, it's similar to this okay but humorous as Good. they are what they're humorous but, yeah, I was looking up to the. A lot of people have covered a bunch of NoFX songs. There's a cover of this that I didn't get a chance to listen to. Oh, really? By Silverstein. Hmm. I'd be interested to hear that. Yeah. I'll have to look into that. Well, yeah, because we both know what and like what the most, the most covered, NoFX song is. It's not on this album. Um, and even Fat Mike, because I've been listening to a lot of Krista Makes again, even Fat Mike 
doesn't understand why linoleum is their most one of their most covered songs but whatever i don't know short song tells a story yeah i think that's um, kind of they... i don't think there's anything like offensive in it yeah um so it's pretty you know um suitable for lots of listeners i, I don't know i like it i i really like that song always will so, anyways, we'll save that for another time. That's that's another episode. So, uh, the next track is called "Kids of the K Hole." Um, so, there were a few things that I read about this where they said that um, they think that it was influenced by a song by the Adolescents called uh, "Kids of the Black Hole," which uh, what I read about that that song is that it's a song about um social distortions frontman mike ness and it's like his apartment that he lived in in fullerton um which was essentially just like a drug den where everybody just went to like party and fuck shit up so i mean i guess maybe a little bit like Maybe, like, in, in spirit, this was themed after it. But, I mean, like, the term being in a K-hole is literally just tripping balls on ketamine. So, like, that's what this song is about. And I, I feel like I feel like that's the problem with, with a lot of the stuff that I was trying to read into. Is that, like, when I do research for this show, like, I always take, like a like, a bit of a grain of salt with what I'm reading. Oh, yeah. But, like... Some of these even more so because, like, I really had to dig into some other websites that I don't normally use. Yeah. And so, like, this was a lot more, like, fan-based stuff. Yes. But, I mean, like, this is a clear, like, this song is about doing ketamine. <laughs> I mean, they say the word in there, so. Right. Mrs. Kitty Ketamine. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite lines in the whole song. Um, and I actually read that here. Just I wrote. <laughs> oh, and I also put here, uh, tripping on special K. No, not the cereal. Because that's what, that's the street name for ketamine, special K. You know what ketamine's used for? Isn't it a tra- tranquilizer or something? Yeah, but it's also used to euthanize animals small animals usually cats Hmm. interesting yeah sorry morbid morbid (laughs) morbid left turn mobby um did you have anything on this one oh a lot on this one yeah yeah please Um, okay so i'm along along with a lot of the lyrics just kind of digging into some stuff um they talk about how the k-hole it's an 18 hour holiday yeah. So that is um, basically a reference um, to Brave New World, because one of the characters takes a drug called Soma that takes her on an 18-hour holiday. You know what? I did see something about Brave New World, but then I couldn't... But this is also like... the second reference. I mean, because they talk about that, and they also talk about Utopia in here, which is also, you know, the, the idea of Utopia is brought up, in, you know, in Brave New World. Um, I don't know if you've read it. I've read it. Um, uh, it's been a long time. Yeah. So I noted that. And then the Miss Kitty Ketamine line. Yeah. Miss Kitty Ketamine, your perseverance may outlast my ambition to go home. 
um, basically, you know, Miss Kitty Ketamine is the slang. Um, so there's a whole part about, I've taken residence on Sybaritic soil, soil, and that means that um, Sybaritic is something hedonistic and self-indulgent, which comes from um, the city of Sybaris, which is an ancient Grecian city that um, was like renowned for their wealth and opulence. So it's kind of interesting. I yeah. never heard that word before. No, I haven't either. Um, so basically the song is about, um, in my opinion, about like how um, tempting it is to stay high and like returning to your youth sobriety in your regular life is just... Bland. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I kind of gathered that like just by the, the delivery of some of the lyrics that like he's basically saying that like he enjoys the euphoria. And, oh yeah, and doesn't want to come back from it. Oh yeah, dropping crumbs and flying thumbs won't help me back home. Get back home. The home is where the heart is. I've been told. So like, he doesn't spend much time at home. <laughs> Which right. home is you know not literal home. It's you know sobriety, reality. Right. Um, dropping crumbs is a reference to Anselm Gretel. Gretel. Yeah. And flying thumbs is supposedly hitchhiking. Huh. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. You know. Um, okay. One of my um, one of my favorite lines is, I promised my heart to her. She cooked it medium well, then proceeded to swell it whole. And she is just the drug. You know, he's promising, you know, he'll return. But she, right. you know, sucks him in completely. Um, and in the end, just ends with, Rinner's broken, summer's gone, just stuck in the K-hole again. And just like, time's an illusion when you're, you know, spending all your time tripping. Right. As a non-drug user, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> and I'm reading into this, but yeah, I mean, it's like winter, you're from winter to summer, like your time is just passing and you're not even right present. Yeah. I mean, you're just sailing through Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's a good song and it's funny because this is one that I never really cared for when I listened to the album, but I mean, when I started listening to it, it was 98 or something like that, so... It's been well, years, 20 I think, years. I think the other thing that that I really enjoy about this song is the intro. Because mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a really interesting uh, bass melody that opens it. Because it's like the bass opens in like a triplet. So you get that... But then it breaks into a full drum beat. But like it's like a counter melody almost. So like the the lead in is really cool. Yeah, yeah, I definitely appreciate um, the music better, you know, now twenty years later. But especially the lyrics, and how well written everything is. Oh yeah, yeah, it, it's it's really impressive to like look at the way that the that lyrically all these songs are put together. Yeah, and they talk about a lot of things metaphorically, which, you know, having not taken drugs, well, <laughs> makes these songs even. But I have to say. You go from a song like this, where it's talking about being in a metaphorical K-hole, to then moving on to the next song, which is not metaphorical. It's basically just about fucking up the status quo. Because the next song is called Murder the Government. (laughs) Which, that's just a straightforward, there's no frills about this song. No. You know, it is just a middle finger 
right at the government. I mean, and I, I love it because, like, the imagery is just, you know, like, want to tar and feather the KKK, want to shoot the NRA. There's a line I'm missing here. It's about paying somebody to kill themselves. Now that one, yeah. So there's two versions of the song. Oh, I did not see that. Yeah, so the original, which is on this album, I believe, is the original, is just tar and loose the KKK, wouldn't shoot the NRA. And that's pretty much it. Murder the government. <laughs> this, the line you're talking about, I want to pay the lobbyists to kill themselves, is on the version that's on 45 or 46 songs that weren't good enough to go on other records. They call it a dirtier version, which <laughs> it's not much different. Okay. Um, but yeah, I was that's, surprised that, to find out there was two different versions. That's interesting, because I, I, that lyric was in all of the lyric sites that I saw. So I guess they only have it updated from the second version, not the first version. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Does it make it sound a lot different? You'll have to play it for me. Okay, so you know the part where they go, um, want to tar and lynch the KKK, want to pull and shoot the NRA? Yeah, 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 yeah. Instead, it's I want to pay the lobbyists to kill themselves. Oh, the okay. Yeah, so that yeah, yeah, yeah is in you know place of that third line. Interesting. Okay, I still I I would still like to hear. Yeah, you'll have to listen other... to it. Interesting. I like that. Um. Yeah. So I mean, those are some pretty heavy imagery in like two lines. Right. Right. And this is another one of those ones where like. It's insanely short. Like, this song is, like, 45 seconds long. Mm-hmm. But the imagery... And the impact. And the impact is just so, like, meaningful in 45 seconds. Yeah, like, the first time I heard it, it was like, whoa. And it's interesting because, like, I don't know, the government is very different, but yet the same as it oh, was yeah, this we, time. Oh, yeah, we had that happening yesterday when we were listening on the way here like i there were some songs that came on and like the stuff they were talking about i was like hold on when the hell was this album written <laughs> like yeah their relevance is like, like it's crazy yeah i think that's what i like about this album too is i feel like it's not as you know dated as i mean not that their albums are dated but you can tell like some well, of the no, quality like, and some of the things but the this, this aged really well <laughs> well i was gonna say like this was 90, what, 97? Yes. Like, I feel like you could you could put this next to a song that came out now. Oh, yeah. And it would still feel just as relevant. Oh, yeah. Whereas if you took a song from a different artist from 97 and tried to, like, put it on the radio now, it would sound like an oldie by comparison. Yeah. So, I know, I, I agree. I feel like the staying power of their music is impressive. Um, yeah, so I found a couple interesting covers of the song. One of them <laughs> is a sweet cover by a band called Gino's Eyeball, who's a Belgian band. I highly suggest you look it up. There's a cover on Bandcamp that was pretty funny. Okay. Um, <clears throat> it's also covered um, by a band called The Skulls. Um, on a tribute to no effects country version. It's a country. Yeah. And then there's also one called, um, 
a band called 500 Miles to Memphis, which is an Americana punk band. Yeah. You gotta listen to the cover, it's so funny. But Gino's Eyeball, I'm, <laughs> I was like... That's a great band name. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then when I found out they were Belgian, because, like, when you listen to the way they sing, you're like, oh. But, like, hmm. it was a really good cover. You'll have to play that for me. <laughs> definitely. Because you know me. I love covers. I, I love covers. <laughs> um, so after we're, we're done murdering the government, storming the Capitol. Um, oh, we're not storming the Capitol. No, we, no, we're not. We're going to Area 51. Um, so the next song on the album is Monosyllabic Girl, which, first of all, that word is a mouthful. Um, I think this song is about a minute, too. It's really short. Oh, yeah, this song, I think, is only, like, 52 seconds. Um, but it's it's really just about dating a girl that like just is a very very like short talker she can only reply in one syllable words yes uh monosyllabic is uh using brief words to signify reluctance to engage in conversation that's that's the that's the term the, the actual definition when referring to a person as monosyllabic so it's almost like she just avoids wanting to be in full conversation. But it's it, it's a really funny song, the way that it's like... Yeah. Like, I, I love when he's like, took her to the aquarium, she said, shark. <laughs> took her to the planetarium, she said, dark. Dark. Like, that. that's what makes it funnier. Like, I think the way that he, like, delivers the the monosyllabic responses to his Mm -hmm. singing is hilarious. Yeah. And I was reading, um, some people's reviews of this and just comments about the song and they were like, Oh, well, you know, he's dating this not intelligent girl. I was like, I don't think that's the point, but takes her, takes her to the university. She says, huh? (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I saw that, I saw that a similar thing that basically said that like, he's, He's dating a girl that he he likes just for her looks. And I was like, okay, that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I thought that was quite a stretch, too. So the next song is... Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say, this is one of the songs that I think rarely short, but tells a story. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got this whole picture of it. I I don't know. Yeah. No, I agree. This is one of my favorites on the album, just because it's fun, short. So yeah, and it, it tells like a, it's like just like a little like, little story about a person that you get in under a minute. Yep. All right, moving on. <laughs> so the next song is 180 Degrees. Um, and the thing that I read uh, was that Fat Mike wrote this song in light of him kind of changing his views about vegetarianism. Because I guess, um, what was it, on one of their albums from the 80s, Liberal Animation, there was a song on there called Shut Up Already that was essentially, like, bashing vegetarians, but then he ended up becoming a vegetarian. So 
I think this was kind of like like his don't knock it till you try it kind of track where he was coming around to to understanding I guess is more more what I got from this where it's like you know him realizing that it's not a bad thing it's just that there's people that are a little bit we well, can be a vegetarian without talking about it constantly yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i i've i have definitely met people that are vegetarians there's a type. yeah there's definitely like they make it a lifestyle like yeah. when they talk about yeah right we get it you um, vape it's fine <laughs> exactly um i really like the lyrics in some of this part too because uh there's a, a verse that's the great thing about being a human, the ability to reason. But reasoning don't work when no one cares. Two parts apathy, one part despair. Right. And I like how it ends. Because, <laughs> like, go ahead, work, waste your life away. Fuck that world, go fuck that right away. Right. All right. <laughs> right, you're just like, oh, okay, cool. But, yeah, I, I, I think this was a really cool, like delivery of of like imagery where you're you're thinking about like you know changing your thought process on something that you maybe kind of had a, a bit of, of a closed mind yeah to this just reminded me of one of my pet peeves when people said they made a total 360 like trying to talk about being different i'm like you know 360 is it just it's just right back where you started <laughs> You know what they call that? That's that's remission. That's a relapse, folks. Anyway, <laughs> um, so the next track is called "All His Suits Are Torn." Um, and like on the surface, it's it's a track about. If you look at the lyrics, it's it's a track about somebody that had it. And lost it essentially that had their 15 minutes of fame and then lost it and just faded out into oblivion then essentially killed themselves now the one rabbit hole that i did see that this one go like spiraling out of control and there were people that were just getting so mad about it was that they, everybody was like, oh, this song's about Kurt Cobain. Oh, this this song's about Kurt Cobain, for sure. And, like... I could kind of... see where they could get that from. But he's definitely more than a 15 minutes of fame. Oh, yeah. I mean, like... Like a 15-minute climb. That's basically what they're saying. Is Right. Like, right. This was like... This would be somebody that, like had their one hit and then like right at that time yeah because it the way they're saying following in the 15 minute climb it takes a seven second leap so it's like you're at that peak you have your 15 minutes right and i i mean and i mean actually name a person look (laughs) billy corbin i don't know who the fuck you are because you're definitely not the guy that wrote the theme song for, what was it, Bear in the Big Blue House? Eureka's Castle? Or Eureka's Castle. No, there's no way. Because he's still writing music. That guy's still alive. Yeah, he is, isn't he? I don't think so. What? 
I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> I don't, there wasn't much about him. Billy Coben. Oh, that's right, Billy Coben. Well, I think a lot of it, because if you look up Billy Coben, all you can find are links about Kurt Cobain, because then you find Cobain and you find Billy Corbin. Corgan. Yeah, so people just assume, based on that. Um, Come on. Yeah, I thought I saw somewhere. Well, that's a that's a a rabbit hole that we don't have to go down at this moment. But yeah, I mean, it's not important. We'll figure it out. But <laughs> it just it, it was a lot of dead ends. Yeah. When trying to find out who this mysterious person was. Yeah, and I mean, I feel I feel like that's probably by design. Probably. Like, pick a name, and either they just picked a name, or they picked a name of somebody that did die. Yeah. But it's still obscure. So, that was that song. I mean, and I, I, I feel like this is definitely, it's one of those songs where you, you hear the lyrics and you, you know, you're like, okay, this is this is a song about somebody that just was down on their luck and didn't know how to deal with it. Yep. Yeah, the one line I liked in this song is, kill the pain, integrity don't keep you warm and sane. Right. So, sad song. But, uh, yeah. I mean, it tells a story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's one of those. So, the next song on the album, um, which is... Um, the beginning of the number of songs where I just wrote in really big, bold letters, trumpet, um, all out of angst, which I love the title. Um, and it just, it just, it's a great song. Like, I, I just really enjoyed the, the whole song in general. Like, I, I love the way it's written. The composition of the actual music itself is great. It's a it's humorous yet about like serious stuff. Right. Um, and then of course there was the the whole minor threat relation that I kept seeing everywhere. And then you were like, "Oh yeah, it totally is." And I was like, "I don't know." And then you were like, "Look it up." And I did. And then my head hurt because like it it is definitely very close thematically as far as lyrics go mm -hmm. to minor threats song out of step um yeah i gotta say <laughs> um there, there's two parts of it where they're saying it was similar and like one part i was like mm, i don't know but like there's reference to golf it seems weird that they would both talk about and bowling um, but I, I think this was kind of a twofold song as far as like what it's about. Oh yeah. Cause I feel like part of it was about like looking at the world as a whole and seeing how bad other countries have it versus, you know. And if you don't see how bad society is, there's something wrong with that. 
Yeah, but then I also read a lot of a lot of people that were saying that this song was also about being straight edge. I can see that. And like, you know, because like the part where he's talking about like going to Pakistan and like learn like reading into Islam and stuff and like not having any smoke or drink and you know living that lifestyle and i was like okay yeah i could definitely see the things in here that could support this potentially be about being straight edge yeah yeah i can see it um yeah i mean the, the beginning where he's talking about all out of angst society don't bother me there's something wrong with that it's you know if you're not upset with what's going on then there's something wrong with you however like it's really easy to become you know, complaints it and not be angsty anymore because you're just so used to being like upset about what's going on. Right. Um, I can totally relate to that. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the lyrics that, um, yeah, that were like out of step were the part about you know no cigarette, no drink. In fact, it's difficult to think about getting laid when you don't even get to see your face. I was like, ugh, visual. Right. Thinking about that, um, I just. It's obvious why they picked Pakistan for the lyrics and the, you know, how, um, like the fundamentalist culture is, is super conservative. Right. I was trying to figure out why they picked Mongolia for the second part. Yeah. Except that it's, it's not fundamentalist. I don't know, but it's super cold. So maybe, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but I really, I mean, for whatever the message is centralized around, the song itself is a great song. Yeah. So. There's a pretty uh, good cover that I can uh, share with you later. Yes. By the Taj Motel Trio, which is a ska band. I'm here for it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the next song was a bit of a, of a rabbit hole controversy between you and I, actually, initially for, sorry, squeaky chair. Um what I thought it was about, and then when I read into it, and you were like, nope, it's about somebody else. Uh, so this song is called I'm Telling Tim. So um, Fat Mike wrote this song about uh, Tim Yohannan, or Tim Yo, as he's been referred to in a lot of the things I read about. Um, so he was the founder of Maximum Rock and Roll, which was a radio show and a fanzine, like in the late eighties. Really? I actually read that it, that that literally just recently stopped publicating. Yeah, because like they in was, the last few months. Yeah, they went to online at one point, and I don't know if you read much of the history of it. That they had a um, like a book. Yeah, it was book um, tour. Well, the book the. The, the book was actually called Book Your Own Fucking Life. Yeah. Well, it started as a column. Yeah. But then it, it ended up being the you know, Book Your Own Fucking Life was <laughs> was what it derived from. But yeah, I saw that. It was... Um, there were a lot of references in here, though. Like... Oh, yeah. Oh, but also a little more on Tim Yo. Um, he also helped establish a number of, like, the the DIY collectives in the early punk scene. Like he helped establish Gilman street, which in that documentary that we watched, which I think we might have to 
might have to talk about some documentary work on this show because like that really was a very very like informative thing that we watched so i, I think we might have to do oh yeah to do an episode on that because i i think uh, that was a very big big thing but we'll get into that another time um Yeah, but they essentially that he this this guy was not not known for uh, very be, being very accepting of mainstream bands um, in the zine that he ran, and he had a, a reputation for being notoriously difficult, which is the I I just love the way that's that's written. Um, also, I, I kept trying to figure out what exactly they said at the beginning of the song. Uh, somebody literally just yells, fuck phonies. Yes. And it was a mistake that's left in pur- on purpose. Yeah. Thanks to Eric Melvin. <laughs> right. Um, I wrote down that this is, you know, basically the punk version of a diss track. <laughs> one of two. Oh, yes. Um, so they, they talk about Lawrence. They make a reference to somebody named Lawrence, um, and it's Lawrence Livermore, who yeah. is the head of Lookout Records. Yeah, you're gonna get ostracized like Lawrence. Yeah, and he also worked previously for Tim Yo at MRR. Um, they also make a reference to ABC, which was um, a another like punk venue in New York City. Yeah. Yeah, they were, um, yeah, that was ABC No Rio, an art collective and venue that hosted um, punk bands. They had Saturday matinee punk shows, which is interesting because, like, um, there's <clears throat> there's a song on, uh, I think it's on Pump Up the Valium, uh, or maybe, no, it's later than that. But it's, like, these kids, and it's, like, what should we do today? Should we go to the matinee? No. Should we do this? No. And the kids are, like, let's go to the punk rock show. And I was like, what punk rock shows in the afternoon? But, like, that makes sense. And I think, um, like, back in the 90s, early, you know, late 80s, early 90s, um, especially, you know, with some of the more hardcore stuff, like, the the scene was more violent and more, you know. Right. The, so they, they wanted to kind of be more in the daytime. Yeah. Yeah. To keep, you know. <clears throat> maybe a different crowd to keep the hubbub out yeah i went down a little tiny rabbit hole on Lawrence livermore okay um just interesting because he was a columnist at maximum rock and roll as well right between 90 um 87 and 94 um it's a pseudonym because when i looked up Lawrence livermore i came up with like a laboratory (laughs) and i was interested i was like why is this like a scientist but no Lawrence Livermore is just a pseudonym because he wrote a book in 1979 about a nuclear accident at the Lawrence Livermore laboratory oh. um, so people called him that as a joke but it stuck um, but he had a falling out with the zine over an incident where they say like he screwed over somebody in a contract dispute and um, yeah Tim was also the subject of other songs by other punk bands um, they're saying that Green Day's Platypus on Nimrod is about him. Hmm. Um, also, yeah, I did a little rabbit hole on, um, they said, you know, one of the lines is, take you out of Book Your Own Life, part six, which was, you know, DIY, DIY publication that was known, like, as the most crucial guide of, like, touring resources back before there was the internet. 
because like it was really hard for people to you know find venues and right. find contacts and find the other bands and stuff like that um before there was the internet so the first one came out in 1989 um oh no 1989 was the column in maximum rock and roll called um book your own fucking tour by kamala parks and each month that section um grew till it was a book in 92. so it would include like a list of other bands labels venues radio stations record stores etc like per state so i thought that was kind of neat it's like a punk phone book um that is cool yeah and um they were calling it a holy grail of um, information and it would help bands book their own tours in their own places so it was huge in like the diy music industry um 97 was when number six came out so that would be relevant to the to the music and in 2003 it went completely online and that online existed until 2011 so i guess now at this point like people can get that information anywhere but i think that still would be like an interesting thing to see now yeah because there were like home addresses of like musicians and stuff in there that's so crazy from early on yeah so like <clears throat> it would give bands an opportunity to contact other bands and, and whatever and i just thought that was really cool that is of the cool. diy scene to like grow from a zine <laughs> the zines the zine scene <laughs> zine scene riot, riot. yeah so <laughs> i didn't expect this song i mean actually <laughs> this is one of the ones i would skip back in the day um, I didn't expect this one to take me down such a rabbit hole of, um, like punk history. Right. And, and, and I, I think what makes it, it, what makes it a cool song is that like that, that, it, that fact that it is revolving around such influential characters of the punk scene that weren't necessarily even in the actual bands that mm -hmm. were forming the the punk scene yeah and this is one of those songs i feel like there's a lot of depth there because there's a lot of references and there's a lot of content yeah. in such a short song right yeah i went up appreciating this one a lot more than i yeah this I, I really enjoyed this song i didn't for a long time like i said um so the next song uh i really enjoyed the next song a lot um, so the next song is Champs-Élysées. Um, that's, it's French, guys. We're, we're getting bougie over here. Um, so this is a cover song, which makes it unfair because I love covers. But you didn't know it was a cover when you first heard it, did you? Yeah. You did? Uh-huh. The first time you heard it? Yes. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Well, I could because I had heard this in some other aspect somewhere else. So like as soon as he started singing it, I was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, um it gives you a different side of Fet Mike for some reason. Like Yeah. I'll get into my thoughts on that in a minute here. So okay. Carry this, on. <laughs> this song is a cover of a cover. So the original song... Is there, like, a, a word for that? A cover of a cover? Like a comforter? <laughs> I think they call that a duvet. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so the first original, original song was called uh, Waterloo Road. 
<laughs> and it was by the band Jason Crest, which is a really stupid band name. Uh, it was released in 1968. Uh, the band is from Tonbridge, Kent, which is in England, and they were considered a psychedelic pop group. Um, so we listened to this song together a little bit ago, just a little bit earlier before we started recording. Um, it's, it sounds like it could be the Sesame Street theme song. Yeah. Um, I hated it. A lot. Uh, I actually wrote the word, uh, no. (laughs) It's garbage. I love it. Um, no, <laughs> no, uh, no, it was just, it was just weird. The music was weird, but I could hear the theming still in no effects cover. Now where their cover is a lot closer and it's the actual cover of is the cover that came after the original, which was done by Joe Dassin. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, his version was called Les Champs-Élysées. And it was released in 1969. Now, the thing with this guy, (laughs) he kind of confused me because he's an American-born French singer-songwriter. His dad was... A Russian filmmaker, and his mom was a Polish something or other. And then, like, after his dad got blacklisted out of Hollywood, they moved to Europe. Well, they moved to France, and that's where he started really blossoming his... Oh, I mean, and of course they they didn't they didn't go without mentioning that he attended Juilliard. Oh, of course. Before they had to move, so, uh, but we listened to his cover also, and I liked that. It's one. far better. It was way better. Um, but yeah. oh, and also, so just so that you can see, I wrote yes. <laughs> um, well, he was nicknamed the most French of the Americans. <laughs> And he was also <laughs> he was also the first French singer to be signed to an American label. Okay, but he also sang in many languages. Yeah, I saw German, that. Spanish, Italian, Greek. I was kind of interested in how like. Yeah, I mean, and like, okay, so another thing with this song is like when I looked up the lyrics, uh, Google did a really nice thing and gave me the translate tool. So I clicked it into English. This song is fucking nonsense. Oh, yeah. It's just about strolling on the avenue, looking for somebody to talk to, just checking things out. There's a guy in the basement with a guitar. Doesn't sound threatening. Could be threatening. I don't know. Well, the vision that I had was, um, because, you know, they're saying that, that, like, Champs-Élysées or whatever is the broadest, most prestigious avenue in Paris. So it's basically the most beautiful avenue in the world. So you think about, like, strolling down, something like that. And yeah, I mean, like... The guy it's... in the basement with the guitar, I'm thinking, like, I have the vision of, like, a little street, and you're looking at, like, a little cafe or something, like, 
subground level. Right. I was I was thinking of it all, yeah. almost like, like you're walking through the cultural district. Exactly. Yeah. But like when you read the lyrics themselves. It's a creepy. It's real weird. Oh, yeah. But I guess that's the fun. However, this cover, first of all, yay trumpet. I, I wrote trumpet in all caps again. Because yay trumpet, El Jefe. <laughs> El Jefe really tooting his own horn. <laughs> um, this version is so fucking charming. Like, Mike's voice is... It's so, like... It's so sweet-sounding. Like Gentle. It's very gentle. But, like, it literally just sounds like you're having... Like, a conversation with, like, a nice little French man. And, like, but somehow they still make it sound so fucking cool at the same time. And that, I think that was why I, I just enjoyed this song from the first listen. Because I was like, oh, this song is just too fucking cool. Like, for its own good. Um... So the next song has kind of a weird title um, and an even weirder backstory, I think. Uh, it's called Dad's Bad News. Um, which, poor Dad. <laughs> what's that? Oh, poor Dad. Poor Dad, right? Um, so uh, there were a couple of things that I read about this song, but a lot of people were saying, and I kind of agree, that it's almost like um, it's a song about kind of inheriting a mental illness through your bloodline. Um, there were quite a few people that were saying something about his grandfather's a Nazi. And I was like, oh, that puts a whole different kind of meaning on it. But also, I know I said this to you a few times. This song gave me major bad religion vibes. Like, I don't know. I'm going to find it. I know there's a song that sounds very close to this. And when I figure it out, I'm going to I'm gonna send it to you. Because, like, it, it's been bothering me. But I really like this song. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. Um, but I don't know. I, I like the, the actual music itself is really cool. And I, I just, I really enjoyed this song. Yeah, I, I, am, I know you said this was another one that you found yourself skipping. I appreciate it more now, I think, because, you know, listening to it a few more times, reading into it. I think the thing I didn't like is they always said the grandpa is a psycho tick. <laughs> I think it's just the way that he said it bothered me. Right. And then it felt a little creepy Yeah. because the bit. music's a little creepy. And the thought of, you know, a gene in your family that makes you basically kill yourself but, you know, passed down from generations. And, um, yeah, the one line that brings a lot of visual to this song is a saner man would have used a bigger gun. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, that one, I guess, I guess it was always the subject matter because a lot of the other stuff on this album, even if it is dark, is lighthearted. Yeah. And this one's just kind of... It's just dark in every sense. Like, yeah. Like, the music is very foreboding and, like... 
Yeah, but definitely appreciate it. And like the guitar work on this and, and everything is. I like the real heavy. It's nice. The real heavy bass riff that they play in this song. I really like that. Yeah, I'll let you take the uh, the music comments because. Yeah. So I'm like there's guitars. <laughs> so here was another huge fucking rabbit hole yep. of a song here. Uh, another sick diss track. Um, the next song is called Kill Rock Stars. So um, this song was basically like Fat Mike's answer to several comments over the years that were made by uh, Bikini Kill's former singer and guitarist, Kathleen Hanna. Um, basically, she called him... She called the whole band misogynistic and sexist uh, for basically over one song. And... Uh, let me see here. So... She wrote, she wrote a response to this, to this song on her next band's first album, Le Tigre, that was called uh, Decepticon. And it literally takes a direct jab at one of the biggest NoFX songs ever written, which is like, wow, if you ever want to shoot yourself in the foot for your career... Just take a direct shot at one of the biggest punk band's biggest songs and see how people like it. Because um, they, she basically just takes a jab right at the song Linoleum. Oh, yeah. Uh, the line, the lyric for that song is, Your lyrics are dumb, like a linoleum floor. I'll walk on it. I'll walk all over you. And I was like, damn, man, that's just... Yeah, um... It's not only because I like Fat Mike so much as a person and not so much, you know, that I like, I guess, and because I like the band, it feels almost, you know, like I should side with the woman in this situation, but like she's making it much worse because I feel like his song, I mean, just like a woman, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Her song, I mean, when he talks about this, he's like, you can't change the world by hating men can't change the world by blaming men. He's calling her out because, you know, the part that I like is I thought the goal here was mutual respect, not constructing a separate sect. Cause she's just making it worse. Right. She's making it more divisive. Mm -hmm. So if she thinks he's misogynist or whatever, it's just, it's just driving, you know, more division between them. Yeah. And in, in, in one party actually makes a reference to Gloria. Yes. Um, who is uh, Gloria Steinem. Mm -hmm. She was a American feminist, feminist journalist and social political activist in like the sixties and seventies, mm -hmm. and like they, the kind of uh, unofficially appointed, like leader of the, the feminist movement. The feminist movement. Yeah, and um, I, I feel like, I mean, this is a punk also, art. also coincidentally little factoid that I read about her also when I was looking into that blurb. Um, she is Christian Bale's stepmother. Really? Yeah, like the actor, Christian Bale. Random. Yeah, super fucking random. I saw that and I was like, 
Excuse me? Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> the thing I like about this, though, even though it is a diss track, I feel he, he did it well. Oh, absolutely. Without insulting her. You know, he, it, it's more classy than... Yeah, because it wasn't like... It wasn't like he was just taking digs to take digs. He was basically saying, like, do you realize how dumb you sound? Yeah, like, take a look at this. Like, look look at the broad picture and look at the things that you've said. You're just being stupid about it. Like, stop. Yeah, the only part that, that I, um, I mean, it's not even against her. It's just talking about referencing to, to Courtney Love and that... Oh, man. Rabbit hole? Yeah, that rabbit hole was rough. Yeah, I feel like 90% of the song is pointing out how ridiculous Kathleen's being about, you know. Everything? Yeah. Because that's what it fucking sounded like. But, yeah. Um, also, another little thing that I, I did write was that uh, the song title is actually a reference to a... I just lost it. Lost my words. A record label um, oh, of yeah. the same name called Kill Rock Stars, which um, their the debut album or one of the first albums that they released on that record label was a compilation album that had uh, bands like the Melvins, Nirvana, and bikini kill shocking right so i i thought that that was i mean like if there was ever a, a classy way to do a diss track this was it oh i know <clears throat> so um but yeah i mean we could talk a whole episode i guess of the rest about you know the courtney courtney love you know kathleen rivalry <laughs> you, you could stop there Honestly, Courtney Love and her rivalry with... Courtney Love and everyone, to be honest. I mean, because if if you started looking into this, what we're talking about is there's a line that says, um, if OSHA could have seen Courtney demonstrate some real misogyny, um, just Lollapalooza 95. And I read some about, you know, her and Kathleen. But then when you read about Lollapalooza 95 and Courtney Love, it's like her versus everyone. Oh, yeah. She She was just like walking around picking fights. Yeah. And I mean... I don't know. It's, I'm so mixed on the whole Courtney Kurt thing. But, you know, he passed in 94. So this would have been, you know, she's. Well, I mean, but at that time, you have to figure that, uh, you know, on the surface, even just a year later, people were still pointing fingers at her. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's so like, like she's, <clears throat> regardless of what you think, you know, they. I, I think they were in love and, you know, she's grieving and she's got a baby and she's got some fame because her band was doing well. And I don't know, I'm not saying like it's an excuse, but at the height of her, you know, everything she's dealing with a lot. So, right. but yeah, I mean, she was picking fights left and right, <laughs> instigating shit. Right. So the next song on the album is Eat the Meek, which I really love this song. Um, oh, yeah. But also, like, I mean, like, it, it's just a really great, like, straightforward reggae track. Mm-hmm. But then, like, 
the message behind it is so good. Yeah. Like, because it's, it's class warfare, mm-hmm. essentially. It's, it's, it's basically, it's, it's saying that the upper class is thriving from the suffering of the lower and middle classes. Yeah, and then, like, the industrialization of the world is stealing humanity from people. Yeah. And, I mean, it really... I feel like the lyrics are just, like, super powerful. Because, again, it gives you an image of something, like... I love the part where they say the factory mass-producing fear bottle caps distributed near and far. Near and far. Um, <laughs> For a reasonable price. Oh, God, I know. And, I mean, that, that to me... <laughs> almost it's like representative of like what the media is doing these days well also i, I think and again it's, it applies it's, still it's it's a also a jab at capitalism oh yeah definitely just like specifically saying for a reasonable price oh is yeah like, is like oh yeah okay well let's just let's just hit all these things at the same time right but i mean now i mean it, it applies more now i think than it did in 97 it's, absolutely it's, it's weird Absolutely. But yeah, I love the song. Um, yeah, I just feel like the lyrics are done really well. Yeah, definitely. I, I really enjoy this song a lot. Um, so the next track, unless you had something else, nope. is called The Desperation's Gone. Um, so I kind of I struggled a little bit with this one. I like the song a lot, but... I wasn't really 100% clear on, um, like, where they were going, th- like, theme-wise. It kind of seemed like they were they were reminiscing about their first gig. But then, like, how their music just feels like it's become boring. Um, or, like, it's more routine than it is enjoyment. Yeah, I, I don't know. And it starts out talking about, um, he's kind of reminiscing about the punk scene earlier, like talking about um, trip down the stairs into hell, Cathay Day, I miss your smell. Um, that refers to Cathay de Grand, which is a Hollywood venue in the eighties, um, supposedly the, like the most dangerous club in America at the time. Oh hell yeah! Um, it's actually where Red Hot Chili Peppers performed their first show under that name. Um, which I thought was interesting. Um, it was mostly punk rock bands and it closed in 90 or 85. So he's just reminiscing about like the scene then. Yeah. Um, he's talking, okay, another line is adrenaline addicted. The blood leak from my head kind of concerned my friends. He's talking about a specific um, night when violence at the shows. Um, he talks about it in, in a song called 13 Stitches that he had done in another album. Um yeah, what I get out of this is basically talking about um, the punk scene then and like the desperation that they have to, to do well, to make it big and everything. The desperation's gone, but the song's the same. Yeah. So their music hasn't changed. I mean, it's gotten better, but um, has, their, has their music been castrated? Yes, to you. It may sound good. To me, it sounds so wrong. The notes and chords sound similar. The same forbidden beat, but the desperation's gone. So yeah, it is more routine. It is more... Um, and and the more they they do, even if it's a DIY label, they're still trying to please people. Right. You know, even if it's not like the general everyone. Um, just, I guess, to look at the music industry. 
Yeah. No, I, his... I, I definitely agree with that. I think that's that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at, like, the passion and stuff behind, you know, punk music in the 80s, I feel, I mean, there's still the same passion, but it just looks different. Like, the yeah. scene's different. For sure. Um, so I think it was a good follow-up that they had an instrumental track that came after this one um, called Flossing a Dead Horse. Um, it's a it's a hell of a title for a song. Um, I also put, uh, with a question mark here, I put carnival music. It kind of reminds me of carnival music. I don't know, just like the... Like, just the, with the trumpet part and everything, just the way it's written, it just kind of has, like, a, like, a some sort of weird, like, carnival vibe to it. Yeah. But it's, like, it's kind of fun. Like, it's a nice little, like, interlude, like a palate cleanser. <laughs> you know. like, like the jar of coffee beans at Yankee Candle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I always love smelling that little jar because it smells so good. So anyway, <laughs> so, God, this chair, man, so squeaky. So, um, the next song is called Court in Session. Court, Q-U-A-R-T, not Court, C-O-U-R-T. Um, so, this song uh, is, from what I kind of read there was a, a a little it was loosely based on their drummer getting sober and basically fat mike teasing him that he is missing all the fun uh that that came with his vices um which i mean yeah there's there's a lot of a lot of reference to you know missing out on the good times with with drinking and doing drugs throughout the song. Nothing seems much fun anymore to me. Right. <laughs> so, but I mean, I, I really like the the imagery that's like that comes through the lyrics on this song. I I, I enjoy this song. I do. Um, and then of course, like they had to end it on like just a super sad song. With not a sad. Music oh yeah, with behind it, with not sad music. No, I actually really love this song because in two short verses it tells a story. Yeah, like bigger yeah. than. It, yeah, it's it's impressive, honestly. So the song's called "Falling in Love," um, and it's it's a love song that Fat Mike wrote about his friend and his friend's wife. Um, they were together in a plane crash. Well, the song isn't about the crash. It's about the moments leading up to the crash. Um, and it's, I mean, it's insanely sad, but also like really beautiful. Like lyrically, it's very beautiful. Oh, hell yes. <clears throat> But yeah, like, like holy way to like just slap you in the face right at the end of the album. So I, I but it's it's a very very strong. The lyrics just 
I don't know. The first time, I mean, the first couple of times I listened to it, I don't think I realized what it was about. But when I finally did, it was just like, Ooh. right. Gave me the, uh, just like a chill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It, it, it's like a major, like chill inducing. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like de- death don't seem so bad when I'm with you. Close your eyes. Kiss me one last time. We're going to die, but not our love. And I was like, right. You're just like, oh, fucking God. poetic. Right. You're like, Mike, stop. I know, right? Now, this album uh, does have a hidden track. Uh, it's a really goofy-ass hidden track. And it doesn't come in until the 4 minute and 15 second mark on the last track. Um, and it's literally just a clip from the Howard Stern show in which one of the the intern or whatever... Uh, plays the no effects song drugs are good um like it's like 30 seconds of the song and basically it's just howard stern like talking shit about it like saying that he probably plays it at his disco parties and um he said he specifically at one part says no effects no talent. That's what this band has. And then he says, just not rocking. And I'm like, did you listen to the whole song? Because I feel like they started into the very first verse of the song and I wanted to hear the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there is an extended part of it, though. The first pressing. Well, OK, the first pressing of the CD has an extended bonus track. It was eight minutes instrumental that ends with a 10 second song. I didn't hear this because I have the second, I guess, pressing. But yeah, congratulations, you made it through the song. I bet you never thought anyone could play something so wrong. Right. <laughs> right. I did see that. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was funny. Like, it was a funny way to, to kind of finish the album out. Oh, yeah. They, um, they are not af- afraid to make fun of themselves. So that's what I loved about... Um, that they put that Howard Stern part on there. They don't, they don't even care. Um, I don't know. I love this album. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed this album a lot. I mean, even for, like I said, just from the first, the first play, mm-hmm. like I was into it immediately. You have any clear favorites? Um, a lot of angst. Eat the meek. Uh, dad's bad news. Bad News Bears. Of course, Champs-Élysées. But I feel like that's unfair to say that because it's a cover and I love covers. Yeah, but it still ought to be a favorite. Yeah, I mean, I I really enjoy that Your song. favorites are pretty similar to mine. Word of the Government, Monosyllabic Girl, um, a lot of angst. I think the other thing that's very interesting about this, and this was, this was something that we talked about yesterday um, when we were listening to this on the way in, um... A, a lot of the albums that we've gone over on this on this show uh, critically um, usually they like the critics say oh it's front loaded with the hits this one is not this one this one is like mid loaded oh yeah like it starts off like really in your face, but then like 
once you hit like the middle part of the album, that's when it gets really good. Yeah. Like it starts off strong, but then it just does nothing but like get stronger as you get towards the middle. And the end ends with a plane crash. <laughs> that's one way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a favorite too. So Yeah. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. All right. So, uh, figured we'd take a little bit of, of a break uh, before we get into the next album and get into our favorite segment. That's my new band name. Yeah, that's my new band name. I think we have a couple good ones this time. We do. I, I have, I think I have four. We have three. Nice. You want to go first? No, you go first. Okay. How about we go back and forth? That sounds great. Okay. So, I had, one of my first ones was uh, Flying Fit Check. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know. It just was like a random phrase that was said, and I thought it was funny. What kind of band? Hmm. Uh, like a power pop. Oh. Band. Power pop. Yeah. Yeah. Like an 80s power pop. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can, you're not going to do... If you're going to do power pop, you might as well make it worthwhile. I feel like they might wear, like, leotards with... I don't know. <laughs> Unitards and leg warmers. Yeah. Unitard sounds insulting. But leotard doesn't. Right? Weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Chainsaw Chance. Yes. Um, we saw this as we were leaving on our trip. Uh, just a random um, sign in someone's yard, and I think it was a, a business. I th I hope. <laughs> I hope it was a business. Yeah, but um, I just it I saw it and I was like, chainsaw chance. That's yeah. We we both had a really good laugh at that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, so my next one was uh, dick mustache. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a story. <laughs> yeah. Dick mustache. Um, I bought these pens from Amazon and they, Mr. Pen brand, and they come with this weird mustache tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I said that I was going to put a, a temporary <laughs> tattoo right by, right by my, my, my genitals. Yeah. And, and thus the band Dick mustache was born. It sounds like it could be a person too. Oh yeah. This is my friend, Dick mustache, you know. Yeah, oh, how the hell are you? Dick mustache. All right. Um, next one. <laughs> Mew found glory. Mew. Um, while I was doing the research here, um, I typed, instead of new, I typed Mew. And, of course, that's M-E-W, uh, the Pokemon. So that would be a Pokemon-themed <laughs> um, Newfound glory cover band. And what was, their, what was the first song oh, that I came up with yesterday? Pick my friend Pikachu. Yeah, my friend Pikachu. Would totally fit. Yeah. Yeah, it would. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Um, so my next one was uh, Corporate Spaghetti. Oh. Yeah, it just just sounds like a super, like, hyper-political, like, old, thrashy punk band. Yeah. Yeah. 
My last one is Truck Stop Ministry. Um, that's inspired by the middle of nowhere truck stops. And there's a little trailer that says Truck Stop <laughs> Ministry. And I was like, yeah? <laughs> Not expected. That's okay. My, my last one is from just a couple hours ago. Um, when, I, when I said the phrase, back road chupacabra. That's a, that's a bill right there. Back road chupacabra open up for truck truck stop ministry. I'm I'm there for that. Special show. guest chainsaw chance. <laughs> Yo, oh my god, yeah, that's so good. But it, it's funny back road chupacabra because we... <laughs> look, guys, when we went we went on vacation this past year to uh, Outer Banks. We go every year for my kid's birthday. And, you know, we rent a beach house. We go down there. We drive down. And it's like a, what, it's like a 14-hour drive. 12 hours, something like that. Something like that. So it is like ass early in the morning. Dark. And it's dark. And we're driving through, like, back roads, middle of fucking nowhere, PA, to get on to get onto the highway because we had made a wrong turn but it wasn't like a wrong turn we stopped and got gas we talked with the the your friend that we were that we were following following. and we we had (laughs) walkie-talkies and so we're just driving and it's like there's no lights it's just moonlight at this point and we just see this fucking shadowy figure just something furry but i swear it was on two legs uh yeah in the road in the road and it just kind of like shuffled across the road and disappeared into the fucking darkness and we were both like what? and we were both like what the fuck was that and then literally like clockwork my buddy comes over comes over the walkie-talkie and he's just like did you guys just fucking see that and we were like yes what the hell was it and he's like I don't know, but I swear that thing had red eyes. And I was like, it's a fucking chupacabra. Shout out to John because he listens, right? Right? Shout out, John. <laughs> Shout out, John, the back road chupacabra. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, memories. Memories in our band names. Right? Um, all right. So, all right. So, we're going to move on to the album you gave me, which is Newfound Glory, Sticks and Stones. Yeah. Um, I heard a lot of Newfound Glory, but I don't think that I've listened to an album straight through. Um, just because, like, it wasn't my normal listening format for years. Right. Um, I read a little bit about the history of Newfound Glory. Uh, they were formed in 97, Coral Springs, Florida. Um, Jordan is the lead vocalist. And the current lineup right now includes what Jordan, Ian... Chad and Cyrus. Mm-hmm. Okay, and there was Steve who departed in late 2013, so he would have been involved during the this yeah. album time. Uh, yeah, that that that's kind of a touchy subject. <sighs> yeah, that's I'm, what I. I'm sure you read about. That. Oh yes, um, we don't need to get into it. So they're saying um, Newfound Glory is pretty influential in pop punk, and they um, they're known as the second wave of pop punk. Um, music criti- critics consider them a key pioneer of the genre. Um, so Jordan and Ian had played together in a band called Inner City Kids and the later one called Flip 60. Mm-hmm. And then I was reading about how um, they came up with the band name. And basically, all I could find was that Jordan and Steve had worked together at Red Lobster and they came up with the name from a newfound interest in Massachusetts. Like okay, <laughs> like a phrase they wrote on a napkin was a newfound glory. So, they used to be a newfound glory. Yeah, 
And then they dropped. Yeah, so I think it was only for their first album. Right. Which was Nothing Gold Can Well, unless you include All About the Girls, but that was an EP. So Yeah. That was an extended an extended play. Now that I know what that fucking means. What do you think an LP means? <laughs> Long? Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so um, their original name was A New Found Glory, and that was on their Nothing Gold Can Stay album. And then once they got to From the Screen to Your Stereo Part 1, they dropped the A and just were going by New Found Glory. All right, so Sticks and Stones is their third album, released June 11th, 2002. Um, it peaked at number four on the Billboard 200s, which I thought was pretty impressive. Wow. Um, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense. In the time frame, you know, they had a lot of pretty decent songs that came off of this and were... Because they, they kind of were like... They weren't like mainstream per se, but, like, they had a couple videos on MTV. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so this album is called Sticks and Stones, like I said. Um, the title um, they chose because it fit with the sound of the record and what a lot of the songs are about. Um, the cover features a boy and girl fighting, and I was very sad to find out that I couldn't find out who the boy and girl were, just because, for some reason, I felt it was important. Um, I was right. telling Josh about... You know, the Blind Melon No Rain album, the, the B-Girl, she's right. you know, specifically named. And you can find the boy, uh, the baby from the Nirvana, never mind, you know, poor little baby had his, <laughs> his junk shown for everyone to see. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I don't know. I just felt it was important to find out who it was. Couldn't find it out. Um, but yeah, the, the one thing that I note is that... Um, Jordan. Jordan is lead vocals? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so he um, has a very distinctive voice. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, it, it's it comes from the from the nose. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's when you hear a song, you can pretty much tell. It's oh, yeah. Glory just from his voice. Um, but, I mean, they have a distinctive way of playing, so, you know, their music you can tell, but it's, it's the voice. Um, for me, at least. Um, so I guess, um, why did you pick this one? Do you... I mean, I think I picked this one because very similarly to how No Effects is for you, I, I have a lot of like very personal connections with a lot of Newfound Glory songs, albums, however you want to look at it. So I think that just because they were they're such a, an influential band to me. It's interesting because I feel like, okay, you would have been a, by the similar age when this came out that I was when that album came out. It yeah. was so long and thanks for all shoes because there's five years apart between these two. Yeah. So it's interesting because I feel like it would be the same point of our lives that maybe we were. Probably. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, the funny thing was when you gave me this album, you were like, okay, well, what I give you this time for the next episode is going to be dependent on what you give me. <laughs> right. I think you were just, you've just been waiting. You've been holding this in your pocket until I give you no effects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to preemptively give you a, one of my favorite albums of, of all time 
without you doing the same. So I, I was kind of, I was holding my old maid <laughs> off to the side, just waiting for the moment. Um, okay, so I guess we'll just go off into it. Yeah. All right, check one is understatement. Um, what I read about this is that it features Rusty Pistachio <laughs> and Toby Morris of H2O and vacuum vocals. I'm sorry, did you say Rusty Pistachio? Yes. <laughs> that sounds like a dirty sex move. It does. That's on Urban <laughs> Dictionary. It has to be. Um, but basically, it's a relationship ending song. Buckle up, guys, because this entire album is... Yeah, and I'm going to say, like, I didn't find a lot of deep stuff about the lyrics, so... You know, you're going to have to help me fill in. But basically, that's all it is. I'm sick of being someone I'm not. But you're getting worse, I swear it. It's hard to prove you're an understatement. And I like the line it starts with, I'm sick of smiling and so is my jaw. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's, it's essentially, it's almost like you're tired of being fake. You're tired of, of putting on a smile when deep down you're, you're not smiling so relatable <laughs> yeah hi that's why i like this album because i can relate to it most of the time um yeah so i mean i didn't write a lot about it i like the song it was a good strong start um, yeah it's definitely one of those like it, it prepares you <laughs> as soon as it starts it prepares you what i can tell you is don't ever set this as your alarm. <laughs> I had a, my boombox that I had in my room growing up. Oh, boombox. Uh, right? Uh, and it was like one with like real big like detachable speakers. Um, but I could set my alarm to go off. And it would essentially just turn music on. So I had this in forever. And like, so imagine the opening riff of this every morning before school scaring oh, the absolute fucking bejesus out of me pretty okay. sure I, I never fell out of bed more times in my life no thanks <laughs> but it woke me up um <laughs> next track my friends over you um i think this is one of the more popular ones in the album and um it's almost left off, left off the album really and I'll tell you why. Um, I did write bros before hoes. <laughs> <laughs> Basically the gist of it. Um, did you listen to the Chris DeMakes episode? You didn't. No, okay, I, I so, haven't gotten to that one yet. Yeah, so there's an episode of the Chris DeMakes the podcast um, about Chad. And he reviews the song. Um, <clears throat> so what he was talking about was the um, experience that he had. Like most of the album was already recorded and ready to go. Um, he said they were at the movies waiting, I guess the, the band members, they were waiting to see Orange County, <laughs> like in line. And Chad came up with this riff where he, in the beginning, you know, like yeah. the, the beginning. And I, I want to say that that intro to the song is one of the more recognizable. Um, yeah, I would say that it, it, it's like very close to hit or miss. Yeah, but I mean, it's recognizable to them. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so 
he worked the entire time to try to memorize it. And a lot of their talk was about how music's changed and technology's changed since then. So like now if, you know, they're out somewhere and they think of some music, um, you can just take out your phone and record it. But he just kept doing it and doing it and doing it and talking to, I forget who he was with. I think it was, I want to say it was Ian, but maybe Cyrus, I don't know. But he's with one of them and he was telling him, I can't forget this, I can't forget this. So then he went home and wrote a song based on that. Um, it was based on the current situation that he was having, I guess, um, because the band was starting to be popular. And talking about not everyone can relate to the fact that he'd have to choose his band over a girl. Yeah. That was originally what the thought of the song would be. Um, but that's not relatable for everyone. Um, so basically, they he had written the song and everything else was recorded, like already recorded. And they were like, no, we're not, we're not doing this. But um, their producer basically said, yeah, this is... This is going to be big. He heard something in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's great because it wound up being one of the standout songs in the album. Absolutely. And then they were discussing, like, what would have been the standouts before and, like, what would have been the singles. And they thought It's Been a Summer would be one of the big ones. And I'm just like, mm, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it's basically um, having to choose your friends which, you know, instead of him, it was the band. Choose your friends over the girl. Bros before hoes. Exactly. Um, Chris noted in the episode that um, there's an 11 second intro, which is, you know, a little long. But basically, on paper that the chorus shouldn't work. Just when written out, you were everything I wanted, but I just can't finish what I started. Um, there's no room left here on my back. I can't remember the rest. You said something, this something. long ago. Yes. Yeah. So he was saying on paper it shouldn't work. Hmm. Um, just lyrically, there's no rhyming. There's no, you know, whatever. But it sounds great, like, when, when carried off. Um, they noted um, some of the, um, the nuances in the song that they did that just puts a finishing touch on the way that they sing. Um, one of them was the harmony... <laughs> In the part that says, we still talk, um, Chad talked about how Neil, their producer, taught them to do harmony and, like, they wanted to do it all the time. Like, <laughs> talk about how they're harmony addicts, but Neil said that you should, you know, just use it occasionally. Like, they call it the sugar effect, where you just put a little bit of sugar here and there. Right. And it really stands out. Like, once I listened to this episode and once I listened to the song again, I was like, oh, yeah. Like. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like, even if you go back on an album. Just sprinkle it in there a little even if you go back an album or go back and listen to nothing old can stay mm -hmm. and then move forward and listen to their self-titled, you can definitely hear a progression of like learning where they're, they just <clears throat> get more polished. Well, they were super young, weren't mm -hmm. they? Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They were very young. Um, yeah. So there's a double chorus at the end and then a reintro of like the beginning riff and it ends on a suspense chord which is what you know, Chris was talking about. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, it never, it, it made me think that, you know, there are different ways that it's end, that songs end. They mm -hmm. fade out, they, you know, and like that. Um, Chris called it the cliffhanger. Um, now, I got to go back and listen to the episode again because um, he, uh, Chad said it was basically a bad religion throwback. 
that riff. Yeah, you told like, me that. I gotta right? listen to it. Because I, I should have wrote it down, but I wasn't taking notes when I was listening to the episode because I wasn't in front of, you know. Um, but yeah, it said that they finish every show with a song just because the energy and everything. And it's a fan favorite. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I would say probably 90% of the times I've seen them live, they've closed with this. Yeah, they, um, this one I knew before. I mean, I pretty much knew all the words and everything, but it's one of those that a lot of people know, even right. if you haven't listened to a lot of New Fun Glory, but it's still a favorite of mine. Um, do you have anything else to add before we move on? No. Absolutely not. No. Nope. All right. Yeah. So that one I, I have a lot about just because I've listened to that episode. And if, you know, if any of you guys like podcasts, <laughs> I Look, would listen to If you to guys it. don't like podcasts, but you're listening to this show, that means they like us. Thank you. Uh, if you do like podcasts and you also like this show, you should go ahead and you should listen to Krista Makes a Podcast. Yeah, there was an episode that you were listening to about Fat Mike as well, which yeah, I which, really, really enjoyed. Yeah, it was it wasn't great, about this song, obviously, or no, this album, but but it was a very informative, uh, very informative episode about leather pillows and blankets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so track three is called Sunny. Um, the first time I heard it, um, yeah, it's clearly about the loss of somebody. Um, because there's a lot of image in there about loss, about, you know, pictures fade away, but memories forever. Look, so <laughs> forever, I thought this was a breakup song. Because if you just look at it on the surface, it kind of sounds like it. I was wrong. Um, it's about the death of Jordan's grandfather, whose nickname was Sonny. So that's where they got the name of the song. Um, Hella sad. Yeah. A lot so of, sad. A lot of people, um, fans who know this song is about death, tell Jordan and the band that the song helps them cope with the loss of loved ones. I guess if you're breaking up with someone, it might help you cope with that too. <laughs> I love you. It's fine. Don't worry. All right. So, um, yeah, the few lines I like, the pictures fade away, but memories forever. Um, the part that got me was like the second chorus though, like an empty chair at all the tables and I'll be seeing you when all my days boil down, but it's better where you're going anyway. And then that last one like chokes me up. It's like, for now we'll say goodbye. We know it's not the last time. That's the best part of my day. And you're just like, oh, oh God. I know, I'm like that crying emoji, like. <sighs> right. So yeah, I mean, this one is like a really beautiful tribute. Yeah, absolutely. I think. And it's one of the really only slow songs, I think, on the album, right? I'm trying to think. Um, yeah. Until you get towards the end. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so it goes from that song into something I call Personality, which I like the title. Um, actually fe features Mark Hoppus playing bass. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. But it's interesting because, like, bass, I feel like, is one of those things that you almost don't, you wouldn't be able to tell as much because, I don't know. Mm. I mean, like, it depends on the player. Because, yeah. like, if you, if you told me that, like, they brought in Fat Mike, that would be noticeable because his bass always sounds like the strings are about to fall off. Yeah. 
not that that's a bad thing. I just mean that like there's a particular sound that his his bass chords have, mm-hmm. and it's always very plucky and very like. Whereas like Mark Hoppus is pretty straightforward, just yeah. like driving bass riffs. Um, I honestly don't have much about the song because I tried to put like what it was about. It's all over the place to me. Um, like the chorus is sort this out on your own time. But like some of the lyrics are before you jumped on my throat, I'd like to present you with something I call personality. Word travels fast when you're on the road before you jump to conclusions about the friends I have. Just remember they were born that way. I don't know. It almost sounds like it's like an argument. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, that's always what I've gotten out of it, where it's like, it's, it's like, it's like a touring musician having an argument with his loved one. Yeah. Like over something. Yeah, when you think of it like a conversation like that, it kind of makes more sense. Yeah. It, because I've it always... wasn't fluid. In my opinion. Right. I've, I've always heard it. It's, but it's almost like you're hearing it conversationally, but you're only hearing half the conversation. Yes. As a, like an, a third person. Right. Well, it's got it. Yeah. Right. Like you're, like you're, you're ear to the glass against the wall, listening to somebody else's conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I like the song and I like the title. It just was hard for me to place. Yeah. Um, the track five is head on collision which i did also know before listening to the album um the song inspired the all-time low band the all-time low band the band all-time low to name their band because there's you know the phrase yeah. all-time low in here um <clears throat> basically to me like a relationship where you're arguing a lot and things are at a low and like you're finally speaking how you feel yeah um i've been waiting for a good day i've been holding back long enough like you're you're contemplating whether you want to be there whether you don't whether you want to talk about it um well yeah i mean in the next line you know it's it's not the falling on the temperature that makes all of our bones run cold mm-hmm. it's the breeze you make the presence felt when you're around me so it's like yeah you're it's you're always getting like the cold shoulder right you know and everything just feels ever always on edge yeah, yeah. So, I mean, as most of the songs I'm hearing, it is a relationship song. But <laughs> I'm glad that you were able to confirm that all-time low thing, though. I, I always wondered. I figured, but I always wondered if that was, like, exactly the case. Yeah, I read that several places, so. Makes sense. Um, <clears throat> so, moving on. It's been a summer. This was supposed to be the hit of the of the. Um, I just album and I don't see it. I mean, it's a it's, it's a good great song, song, but I don't feel but, like it's as strong as the others. No, it's definitely not as as strong. Um, and like I was having trouble interpreting any lyrics here, and people were writing, "Oh, this is a great song for summer." It's like a metaphorical summer. It's not actually about summer. In my, we're about no. like. No, because I think that it, it's it's a song about, um, like, being alone. Yeah. Like, and, and like, somebody asks you how I, it was, I, and I you're like, oh, it's been a summer. Like Either that or or I always interpreted it more as, like, like, it's been a summer since I've seen you. Or it's been a summer since we've been together. 
I yeah, I kind of always thought like, well, it's been a day. Like Yeah, and that makes sense. And it's been a summer alone. Like, oh, how was your summer? Oh, right. it's been a summer. Oh, it's been a summer. Yeah. Yeah, because he talks about like it's burning up in here, even though the bed's cold on your side. I'd rather, rather die than spend, spend this night. night I love I love that part. It's so Yes, the romantic in you. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's so good. Like plus like the imagery, like here, it's just like you know it's like one of those like very similar to the like the kings of leon like like you know this room's on fire this bed's on fire like it's one of those like imagery things where you know it's like uh i'm gushing go ahead it's adorable i like it all right <laughs> check seven forget my name um they feature some famous people on backing vocals um matt skiba dan adriano from alkaline trio well um, matt skiba is the yes current lead singer for yes but at the time well he's still in alkaline trio yeah um so i love the in intro to it where the you know tell all my friends i'm dead yeah um I, that's it's one of my favorite songs to sing along with I really love this song. Yeah, I mean, I knew this one as, as well before. Um, I feel like it's 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 just wanting this new beginning. Like, you don't like how things have gone, so you want a fresh start. You, you have, like, the self-discovery that, like, you know, you want to move on. Right. So, you know, tell all my friends I'm dead, leaving you this time for good. Um, it won't be long before you forget my name. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it. a lot of the songs in this album feel like an ending, but this one doesn't. This one feels like... like a, Almost like a rebirth. Yes, I was going to say, it's like a new beginning. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I felt like this one was kind of hopeful, mm -hmm. where a lot of the songs on here were more about loss. I don't know. I really like this song. Um, well, yeah, because there's even like that whole part where it's like, don't trace your footsteps back to me, like... I, that, which I th I think is like a really cool way to say like, don't like I'm I'm out, like I'm, I'm moving bridge. on. Yeah, <laughs> bridge burnt. Bye. Um, yeah, it's followed by Never Give Up, which also to me feels like another song about starting over. Um, like I can't waste a second on dreams that will never begin. I don't really care about you. Before or about before you met me, just talking about like a new start or don't care about the past. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, they kind of fit together. Um, don't have a lot about it. Just cause like I said, I mean, it, it seemed clear on what. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, I feel like a lot of the time with, with newfound glory, like they're the messages in their lyrics aren't very like cryptic. Oh no. And they don't really like, like it, reference a lot, but I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Which, I think but, it works for them. Like, well, I feel like it gives them <clears throat> more, it gives you more chance to focus on the music. Right. And I'm not saying like with no effects you don't, but I feel like the lyrics aren't as in your face. Well, and I also... I do enjoy. I also think that like when you, when you look at their influences, like, you know, they always talk about like, <clears throat> like bad brains and like uh gorilla biscuit and 
like the Ramones and like a lot of those bands, it wasn't necessarily focused on lyrical content as much as it was focused on the musicianship, like where they were just focused on being a solid band with okay lyrics. And if you think about like the time in their, you know, their being a band versus, you know. Sure. Well, I mean, and also like, I think that this too was like, they were looking to make a switch towards the mainstream. So they were trying to get something out that that would hit. Right. Um, Yeah, so next one is the great Houdini. We all probably know who Houdini is. Um, I was trying to figure out the connection between the title and the song. Basically, you know, the lyrics are all dressed up and nowhere to go. I think I'm making this trip alone. You know, it's safe to say you'll never change your ways, so it's an ending. But I feel like it's a you know, maybe referencing like a disappearance. Like right. Houdini would disappear. Right. So, um it's all I got is it's an ending. Or I guess maybe that's a new beginning again. Right. I mean it again, it's <laughs> another another instance where like the lyrics just kind of speak for themselves. Right, right. Um because yeah, so, he says like taking this trip alone you know, it's like, I don't want the company. Like, yeah, I just want to do my thing. Right. Um, yes. Track 10 is singled out. Um, this one is a falling out between friends, but specifically they talk about what it might be about. Um, some places I read that it's about dashboard confessional, but I read in two different places that it's about the story. Like, flip-flopped like one person said oh yeah it's, you know they were going to help um newfound glory get a deal with you know drive through records and then they signed to a different label I'm like well how does that make any sense so then later somebody else said oh well it's the other way around newfound glory tried to help them but then they joined another label um but anyway why'd you have to turn around after all we've been through like talking about like you know trying to help someone and then they just turn around and do something else right they eventually just slap you in the face Right. So, I mean, it's a relatable song when you don't think about it as being, you know, that specific of a falling out. Right. Um, But, yeah, it's like when people ask you for help and then they turn around and do something completely different. And, I mean, it's relatable. Yeah, I I agree. And it's a good song. Um, I I didn't know the connection with Dashboard, though. That's really interesting. Yeah, I was trying to confirm, like, which way that it was going to go. But, like, since they didn't sign with them, like, it's hard to to find out. (laughs) Right. And then it turns into like a he said, she said kind of. Well, I was going to say. And it's he said, he said kind of thing. He said, he said. And it's also like. Well, I'm assuming pronouns. I shouldn't do that. They said, they, they said. said. They said, they <laughs> said. Uh, it's also like 20 years worth of that too. Mm-hmm. So like. Yeah. Who knows at this point. Yeah. But I mean, it's a good song. And again, I mean, if it's a, if it's a diss track. <laughs> it's not really a diss track, but you know. Right. <laughs> Very polite one. <laughs> right. right. It's very Canadian of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, next track is Belated. And all I wrote down was, Missed her birthday, lost track of time. But they're going to work through these issues. <laughs> I think I was tired. Because, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I was trying to do these notes the night before we left for this trip. And... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> running on fumes at that point. Yeah, yeah, and I, I really should have gone back, but yeah, I mean, I, I like the song, but nothing was really standing out about it. I don't know. Um, well, I think, because this is, that's like the, the close sec- to the end, right? Yeah, second to last, well, if you don't count the hidden track. Are you counting the hidden track as the last track? No. Okay. No, this will be second to last, because okay. the last of these stores so far. Yeah. Okay, so I'll just jump into that one. That's fine. And for obvious reasons, um, there's a band named after this song that we kind of knew, because it's obvious. Oh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I never thought about that. Um, yeah, this song was interesting, because it, it seems like... Some people said I love it for sight, but I feel like it's about just meeting someone new. Um, well, yeah, like because... A little bit later, like, feel, realizing how you feel about them, or just... I just... I, I love the way it opens. Can't remember the time or place or, or what you were wearing. All I know it was the best conversation that I've ever had. And it's just, like... I can't read my own words, but I wrote unclear about how we met, but it looked, I was like, Uncle R? <laughs> unclear... <laughs> Because I put like a tiny space between unclear how we met. All I know was the best conversation that I've ever had. And I mean, that's relatable. Yeah. I mean. Did you notice I was afraid? Um, the sky, the sky will never look the same again until you show me how it could be. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a really sweet. Yeah. It was a really track sweet. about like just meeting somebody on a chance that's, situation. That's suddenly really important to you. Right. Um, yeah, it was sweet, and it was a nice way to end it. Um, yeah, plus, I really, I, I love the way that the song opens, because you just have that, like, like the, the plucky bass with, like, just the, the snare hits, mm-hmm. and then it's just, like, like, just vocal, and then it bursts into the actual song itself, which I, I just, I really like. Yeah. The way it kind of like slow builds into the track. I thought it was a great way to end the album. Um, yeah. However, <laughs> there's a hidden track. On some, okay, on Spotify, you can count this as a separate track because I think they listed it as a separate track. Yeah. Do they um, call it the name or do they call it, I think they call it hidden track. Some places they call it the toothpick song, which I find very obnoxious. Um, but I have to say, the, the impact of a hidden track isn't as much as it would be if you were listening to the CD, like, when you're streaming it. Look. So, yeah, I know, right? I'm waiting for you to describe. <laughs> Look. Okay. So. <laughs> I can imagine. As was... previously stated, this album was in my CD player a lot. I fell asleep listening to this album a lot. When the hidden track starts... Everybody fucking screams. And then it just starts going, there's someone in your house. There's someone in your house. So imagine you have just been disoriented out of sleep with screaming and then somebody whispering to you that there is somebody in your fucking house. First, your ears are assaulted. Right. And then... And then your mind is assaulted. It's... It, it, but then it gets into it, and because for a couple of albums they they did like a consistent hidden track at the end where they did something silly, 
Um, and of course, this one is no exception. There's a lot of nonsense. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure my, there's... My favorite part is, McWhiff for the Queen! I need somebody to move my car! Yeah, then there's like, everyone has a toothpick on the table. We like the shish kebab because the beef has good flavor. Everyone has toothpick on their table. We like the dental floss and ah. <laughs> yeah, um, I can imagine that that would be like startling and then really unsettling. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like it loses a lot when you don't listen to it on a CD. Right. But it's still, I mean, it's still funny though. Oh yeah. It's still a great like like hidden track which i think i it's just it's just them being ridiculous yeah, oh yeah yeah which you can re, you know really you know you can tell they were having fun with it yeah so walking away from the album now what, what was your i like the album um i feel like in my head there's a few real standout favorites sure but then i feel like a lot of the other songs aren't as memorable to me I don't know. What were your favorites? Well, the obvious hits. Um, I mean, forget my name. Like, friend. like my friends over you, obviously. Yeah. Sunny, obviously. Um, yeah, I liked. Um, I liked understatement. I liked my friends over you for obvious reasons because mm-hmm. it had on collision because I knew it. Forget my name. Um, I liked something I call personality. So I think it was a real heavy beginning for me. Yeah. And then I was just like, hmm. I don't know. It's not that not that anything was bad, but I think it was like, never give up till about second to last track. I like the story so far. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's just a really well-written, like, classic pop punk album. Yeah. It's enjoyable. Yeah. I, I always enjoy listening to this album. And I'm glad that you enjoyed it too. It was fun. It was fun. So. So we're getting close to that filthy 15, guys. We got one more episode and then we'll be at number 15. We've been trying to plan a lot of great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I did a little bit of networking at the show last night. So I'm hoping that pans out because that could be a really fun time. Um, still working on figuring out the guest stuff. Yeah. Figuring out how to do it. It's just logistics kind yeah, of stuff. Pretty much. But I mean, point. we've got some other types of episode ideas that we wanna we wanna explore. And I mean, definitely, we were watching that music documentary, and there's a lot of interesting stuff out there. Yeah. And I mean, I I realize like I like to jump into the lyrics and stuff, but also it seems to make a lot more sense when you realize some of the stuff about the industry or the bands or whatever. Like it makes a lot more sense. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I favorite it's called one nine nine four or something. Yeah. It was a year, but it was, like, spelled out in numbers. Yeah, and, I mean, it was essentially just, like, the punk scene leading up to what they considered, like, the biggest year for music. Yeah, so. but I think it was in the late 2000s that they did it, like, mm. 2009 or 2000-something. It was yeah. about 10 years ago-ish. And it was interesting to see some of these people, like Fat Mike, 10 years ago, you know, <laughs> 10 right. years ago. Like, just so, Baby face Mike. so young non-blue-haired Mike. Yeah, and I mean, it's nice to see, 
like the faces and you know put the people to the to the music right um so yeah i mean we yeah so i'm i'm we got a lot of fun stuff coming up yeah i'm looking forward to to the stuff we got coming down coming down the pike here and then we're gonna try to do the mini episodes on the off weeks is that what we're we're gonna try might not be every off week but we'll try well we seem to have a lot of music conversation on the on the regular anyway so we <laughs> right <laughs> so i mean as usual you can find us all over social media we're on facebook songs in my head we're on instagram and twitter it's at s-i-m-h pod and you can find the podcast on uh spotify apple music uh amazon music and soundcloud if you're nasty um so yeah as usual thanks so much for for listening in we're gonna start working on the next episode and inching closer to that 15 which is going to be a really really fun episode so as always thanks for listening and just remember to you know share your music because that's the only way you're going to find something that you haven't heard before thanks thanks guys <laughs>